money pod me home. Religion, science, myths, and legends all point toward the next evolution in human consciousness. What do the invisible realms hold? Who's telling us and how do they know? We're investigating insights from around the world to answer the question, what does the material world arise out of and where do we go once we've dropped the body? You're about to go interdimensional with Robert Wallace and Adam Jeffrey to Undiscovered own, Spiritual Realities. My own brother, sister. We are same human beings. Mentally, we are same. Emotionally, we are same. Physically, we are same. No differences. It's considered as simply human beings. You want happy life, I want happy life. We're moving at the speed of love this week. We're talking about unity consciousness, the good, bad, ugly, and beautiful. Then we're, uh, I'm going to have you open up to the Gospel of Thomas in your Bibles. Oh, wait, you won't find it there. Stay tuned to find out what they don't want you to know. And finally, we'll be discussing the mystery of Golgotha, the event that split world history. That's a lot of good stuff. Yes, it is. Adam Jeffrey sitting here with me. How are you doing, Robert? Live in the studio. Doing great. <laughs> cool. So you had a good week. You were in Kentucky this yeah. week. So good week. Awesome. Yeah, you're recording some more music. For recording music. Four, four brand new songs on the way into the world. Magical. Yeah. Manifesting. It's manifesting. Absolutely. So now we got some heavy topics today because that's what people are tuning in for. Heavy topics. Um, yes, yes. I'm thinking we're talking about unity consciousness. That's a big one because that encompasses everything. Absolutely. Why? Because that's what the word unity implies. Yeah. Everything together. So there's a poem that is from the ancient writings of some ancient culture and some ancient time out of the, the Gnostic tradition. Cool. And it's called The Thunder Perfect Mind. And I'm going to be reading a segment here, and we'll read a, a snippet uh, another place. But it deals with the duality and the dichotomy of being and uh, in that paradigm, and it really being that in all of us is the good and the bad. Hmm. And I would also add the ugly, but then you also have to add the beautiful. Yeah. Nobody ever adds that part. Good, right. bad, and ugly. That's two, two negatives and one good. So I'm going to add beautiful. I love it. So, Balance. Yeah. So the thunder, perfect mind. So I'm going to skip. Uh, no, we'll read right from the beginning for a second. I was sent forth from the power, and I have come to those who reflect upon me, and I have been found among those who seek after me. Look upon me, you who reflect upon me, and you hearers, hear me. You who are waiting for me, take me to yourselves, and do not banish me from your sight. And do not make your voice hate me, nor your hearing. Do not be ignorant of me anywhere or any time. Be on your guard. Do not be ignorant of me. Now, this is the mind speaking, the perfect mind. Hmm. It says, for I am the first and the last. I am the honored one and the scorned one. I am the horror and the holy one. 
I am the wife and the virgin. I am the mother and the daughter. I am the members of my mother. I am the barren one, and many are her sons. I am she whose wedding is great, and I have not taken a husband. I am the midwife, and she who does not hear. I am the solace of my labor pains. I am the bride and the bridegroom, and it is my husband who begot me. Now, I'm going to stop right there because this is a long poem. But what we're seeing is that, and I think the scriptures are pretty clear about it, is that there's good in everybody and there's ugly in everybody. Yeah. He without sin cast the first stone. Yeah. Judge not lest ye be judged. Or like Man. it says in the beginning of Romans, you know, everything you judge others of, you're guilty of yourself. Absolutely. You do not think, don't you think you're going to be, you're going to get free of that, of your judgment? Of course you won't, you know? Right. For whatsoever judgment you use will be judged against you. Yeah. And I think it's a good point uh, to remember that we're only liable. And by the way, for the people watching on Facebook Live, I apologize, but, you know, those little things have gone crazy. <laughs> I got this little sleepy hat for people listening on the radio. You know, how it's just, uh, what is it called? Uh, augmented reality? Yeah. Where they put like things on your head and filters. make yeah. filters. Okay. Yeah. Well, I've got a sleepy hat thing on this. So just ignore that. It's good times. Um, <laughs> but what I find is that everything I, I'm, I'm going to judge somebody else for that I'm wanting to judge somebody else for. If I just take a second, reflect, I'm going to find it was in my heart first. Yeah. I'm mad at them for cutting me off because I have cut people off. Right. I'm mad at them for saying this or doing this imperfectly because I've done those same things. Exactly. And what I find is even if in all honesty, I can't find where I've committed that sin, if I just wait long enough, if I spend my time judging, I will become guilty of that sin. Man. And focusing on their yeah. sin, I make it happen myself. That's beautiful stuff. Yeah, it really there, is. There's so much truth to explore there. You know, I mean, I, I love that when you were reading that, one of the things that hit me was I am the first and the last, and I remember Jesus, I am the Alpha and the Omega. And it, it, it's wild because you've heard that in, in so many circles for so long. And it's like he was saying everything right there, you know, everything. Mm -hmm. I am the first and the last and everything in between, you know, mm -hmm. and, and he's that, that he was presenting the unity consciousness that mm -hmm. you're talking about right then and there. And I love the idea of what you're talking about, the, the forgive, judge not lest you be judged, you know, and all those thoughts, forgiveness is the same way. Mm -hmm. And love is the same way. The prerequisite for loving other people is to love yourself, mm -hmm. according to Jesus and, and the teachings in the Bible. Mm -hmm. Love others as you love yourself, you know, mm -hmm. and I think forgiveness, all these things are the same. When you see sin in somebody else and you judge it, it's because you're not forgiving yourself of the sin, like mm -hmm. you said, that you've committed. So yeah. it's just beautiful stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And it really is like, I was just reading uh, Steiner was talking about how our thoughts educate us. Mm. Our thoughts educate us. Sure. So when we break down a concept and we're thinking about it, we're not just thinking about something. We're not just mulling it over, but we're breaking it down and, and we're creating synapses. We're creating new understandings and conclusions and things that inform us yeah. later down the line. That's awesome. You know, life is a school and the opportunity, uh, the opportunities that come upon us to either forgive or to judge, you know, these are both reflections of what's going on in the inside. And we're also like creating the karma. Yeah. You know, for where we're going to go. That's how we're going to be treated. So if we're amazing D on the line, 
I was just piggybacking of what you're, of what you said, how karma comes back around of how you treat people. I always try to treat people with the same respect that they treat me because I don't want to be treated badly. So, but you're right. Karma is real and people need to understand that. And sometimes it's in the back of our head, but it's out there. Yeah. So Yeah. And it's such a consistent force that uh you know, you could you could use this, you can analyze it down to the smallest example. You know, as far as how you shake somebody's hand with a little animosity in your heart or or the or bigger, more manifest things of overtly doing something. And you will get these little gestures returned back to you. Yeah, you could mm -hmm. turn somebody away for something they can't help. And before you know it, you're in the midst of something that means a lot to you and you get turned away for something you can't help. And you remember, oh, I did this to somebody else. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, you know, and it's a beautiful thing because. If you don't get it paid back to you right now, it's going to come back to you in another life. Is there a different wow. type of karma or is it just one karma? You know, I think uh, that's a good question. There's a there's a, what's so-called good karma and so-called bad karma. I think this unity consciousness would point that it's all good. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like uh, Shakespeare said, there's nothing evil in and of itself, but it is thinking that makes it so. Wow. So uh, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil once again. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like all uh, God uses what's meant for evil and uses it for good. Yes. So if you think something's really evil, I mean, you're still forgetting God's going to turn that around for good. Another thing that just popped in my head, uh, Steiner, uh, he talks about and he says it's really important that we remember that anything that's going to be brought to us in the future, and this mm. is a good balm for worriers, for fearful people or what, Anything that's brought to you in the future, you need to remember that it's going to be brought to you by the universe in wisdom mm. so that there's no need to fear yeah. the inevitable death. You know, I, and sometimes I hate to think about it, but at the same time, it's like it is. It's like, you know, we can't escape it. There's not really a scenario where we're not confronting these things, so, yeah. you know, or, you know, the failure or something. What if something doesn't work out that we put our heart into? And we just have to remember that everything comes to us by God. Yeah. For his purposes and for for our growth and for our karmic value, you know, to level us out or to, you know. I love that. So I feel like that brings us back to what we hit on last week, the the holy instant, because that type of mindset is what keeps us living right here in the now is the idea that we don't have to worry about tomorrow. Mm -hmm. You know, and, 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 and I always think about the sermon, what's what's become known as the Sermon on the Mount. One of my favorite teachings in history from anybody, but uh, particularly of Jesus, is the idea when he said, don't worry about tomorrow. You know, it, it, consider the lilies and, and you know, it, this meditating on, on the lilies, you know, consider them. I, I think Jesus was saying, you know, practice observing nature. And, and, and see that God takes care of these things. Of course, God's going to bring you good. Trust that. Live right now and don't worry about tomorrow. Mm -hmm. It's just beautiful. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, and to me, it, it's not only, um, it, it's not a pious thing of, you know, oh, this is, um, you know, I, I mean, pious in the what some people perceive as the negative sense, but it's something that brings you happiness. You know, the, the Greek word that Jesus used when he said, blessed are, blessed are, all, all of these um Beatitudes is what they're called, but the 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 word is makarios, and it actually means happy. Mm. That's that's a, a another translation so for the word that we say blessed. So happy is the person who you know, and he goes through the list. And so I think that it, what that's Jesus good. was after a lot was to teach us how to be happy. Wow, you're gonna forget. You know, the world's gonna distract you. The, the this Maya illusion around you is gonna distract you with things that won't make you happy. Yeah, 
here's how you can be happy. You yeah. know? And that's, to me, the essence of true spirituality is, is what I'm practicing making me happy right now in the holy instant. Yes. And that's, <laughs> that's a really great uh, point because uh, I think we hear a verse that, verses that talk about, you know, blessed is he. And sometimes we see people that should be blessed or are allegedly blessed, and they don't seem, we don't, it doesn't always look like a happy thing, but internally right. in their heart, it's not like uh, in Acts when the, uh, the apostles were persecuted and they went, after being beat up, they went skipping down the road, counting it all joy that they were <laughs> kind of worthy to be persecuted for righteousness sake. You right. Know? It's right. like, you know, the blessedness and blessings don't look the same in the spiritual life as maybe they do uh, to the carnal, secular, you know, materialistic exactly. viewpoint. And it's so beautiful. And, and I see that in the lives of so many mystics throughout the centuries, you know, after to, prior to and after you see if you read the poetry of, of the Sufis, I go back to them a lot because their their poetry is just beautiful to me, but they are just filled with laughter. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not in some corner just, you know, being boring and, and being bored. They are laughing and they are filled with life and everything is is this great adventure and this beautiful thing that they're excited about. You mm-hmm. know, they're not bored and they're not boring. They're exciting, you know, they're drunk on life, they say sometimes, you know, and, and it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's, it's an inviting thing to know that we're going to be happy if we find spiritual realities. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's a, also, I'm glad that you hit that point, because a lot of people, especially people who are into this, who don't naturally have an inclination towards this sort of study, it's a very dry, boring, pedantic, you know, heady you know, intellectual, all this sort of stuff. Right. And so uh, until you start to really get to know yourself internally and then connect with the wisdom that's being taught, yeah, uh, then it can be hard to bring it home and make any sense of it. But once you start making that correlation, it's like you can open up scripture from any religion. All of a sudden it starts to speak to you. Yeah. You start to know where to put it. You know what words it's using, what it applies to. And it's like a universal you know, religious language. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's amazing. I, I, I thought of one other example that just fuels me as a musician and a human being both, but St. Francis, you know, the, that dude, he was just so filled with so much joy for so much time that people thought he was nuts sometimes mm. because he would just have these outbursts of laughter and he would just start dancing out of nowhere and pretending you know, he would pick up a stick I've read and pretend that it was a fiddle and, and start making music with his mouth and, and, and dance and people were like this guy's nuts but really what he was was he was just filled with this beautiful life that, that people that really are bored that people that really are unhappy not should, that we shouldn't think it's crazy. We should be drawn to that and go, what did, what did he tap into? Because, mm-hmm. man, that's life. Mm-hmm. That's beauty. That's fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the passion that, uh, you know, it really comes over you. I know in my journey, it's, yeah. almost been, it's been a passionate thing. And, uh, you know, if you can't find interest in it, you know, it's going to be hard to figure out where somebody would fall in love with it mm-hmm. and then begin to thirst for it. Yes. And, you know, really just like at any and all costs, I just can't get through the day without getting the wisdom, you know, yeah. the spiritual, you know, anthroposophical or, you know, just spiritual wisdom, whatever your path is. It should be, you know, should be hungry for it. Um, in the, awesome. the Gospel of Thomas, I think this is a... a 
a good place to move because the Gospel of Thomas, if you ha aren't familiar with it, it isn't in the Holy Bible. It, it did not make the canon, but it is a very provocative book. It's full of deep mystical sayings. And uh, I'm just going to read a little snippet here. I'm reading from a book called The Other Bible. If you're looking on the thing, there it is. You can see The Other Bible. And uh, it's got uh, the Gnostic Gospels. It's got some Dead Sea Scrolls, Visionary Wisdom Texts, Christian Apocrypha, other things. And uh, finding, uh, starting from line one here, it says, And he said, speaking of Jesus, Whoever finds the interpretation of these sayings will not experience death. So Jesus said, let him who seeks continue seeking until he finds. When he finds, he will become troubled. When he becomes troubled, he will be astonished, and he will rule over the all. Jesus said, if those who lead you say to you, see, the kingdom is in the sky, then the birds to the, of the sky will precede you. If they say to you, it is in the sea, then the fish will precede you. Rather, the kingdom is inside of you, and it is outside of you. When you come to know yourselves, then you will become known, and you will realize that it is you who are the sons of the living Father. But if you will not know yourselves, you dwell in poverty, and it is you who are that poverty. Hmm. So there it is. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Living in, in a poverty mindset. Jesus said, the old man, the man old in days, will not hesitate to ask a child seven days old about the place of life, and he will live. For many who are first will become last, mm. and they will become one and the same. Oh, I mean, I could just go on and on with this because uh, this book is full of uh, deep wisdom. It's almost like it's like uh, you know, Sermon on the Mount. Like they're they're Very much so. He's speaking in parables. He's speaking in um, ooh, and this is kind of deep. Um, He's, it's Jesus saw infants being suckled and said to the disciples, these infants being suckled are like those who enter the kingdom. Mm. And they said to him, shall we then as children enter the kingdom? Jesus said to them, when you make the two one, when you make the inside like the outside and the outside like the inside and the above like the below, and when you make the male and the female one and the same, so that the male not be male, nor the female female, and when you fashion eyes in place of an eye, and a hand in place of a hand, and a foot in place of a foot, and a likeness in place of a likeness, then you will enter the kingdom. Mm. Um, and that goes right back down to that whole uh, paradigm of this dichotomy. Yeah. And bring them together, synthesizing them. Yeah. Having one unity consciousness. Yeah. He's talking about the building up or the birth of a spiritual body and the spiritual birth of your inner man. Right. That, that you'll then take possession of and inhabit these spiritual realms in. So just like this physical body had to be born into this dimension for us to have a body to navigate, so too in the soul world, in the uh, spiritual plane, uh, in these dimensions, we have to have bodies which are, which are brought into existence, which are awakened, and which are developed in order for us to inhabit them to actually navigate these dimensions. Mm. I love it. It's amazing. That is. I, I love too that that you can see the correlation through through these gospels that, like you said, didn't make the cut. You know, versus or, or up against, not versus. Certainly, I don't think they're in opposition at all. I think you can actually see the parallels between what, what's known as the synoptic gospels, the ones that did make the cut, versus like Gospel of Thomas and these others. He's saying a lot of the same things, but with different depths or you know perhaps the author of this one caught certain things about what jesus was saying versus what 
say Matthew or Luke or whoever wrote some of the synoptic gospels, you know, because you're talking about the children and, and entering the kingdom of heaven and becoming like children. And again, I just, I think it's so beautiful because Jesus talked so much about children and he talked about becoming like a child. And again, you have laughter. What do children do? They laugh. They mm. have a blast. They're having fun. You know, you've got to become like children. They're innocent. They're laughing. They're, they're not worried about tomorrow or who's going to, you know, put food on the table or how we're going to make a, a dollar. They don't care. Mm-hmm. They're living life and having fun. And Jesus said, become like this. Yes. And it's beautiful. And, I, and I, one, one other thought that hit me through all that, I, I love when I found out that that word, that Greek word I was talking about a minute ago, uh, makarios, when I found out that that word means to make happy, you know, we, we translate it a lot as blessed or to bless. Um, that applies to when Jesus quote unquote, blessed the children. Well, how do you make a child happy? You know, you, you, you play with them, you throw them up in the air and catch them just before they go splat, you know, and, and you make them laugh and, and you laugh with them and you play and hide and go seek. And so I go, man, this isn't this pious guy sitting on the steps going, come to me and I will, you know, do, you know, I mean, he may have done some, some cool stuff too, that's interdimension, everything. And, and I get that, but the laughter part of it, is so cool to me because the kids were drawn to him. They wanted to have fun with him. They were coming to him and playing with him. And so this Macario's blessing, making them happy, and he was happy. And, and, and then you go, well, that's why the disciples didn't get it at first. They were like, what is he doing? You know, what is our rabbi doing? He looks like a fool because he's out there playing hide and seek with kids. And they're a little bit embarrassed at first. They're like, this is, this is our teacher. This is our rabbi. Oh, oh my gosh. You know, mm-hmm. but that's what he was saying. You must become like this. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's an interesting point because <laughs> there is sort of a, uh, a, a conflict. There's other verses that say, you know, whoever laughs now will weep later, and whoever mm. weeps now will laugh later. And I think it's important to remember the context is if we're coming back to the spiritual unity of God, if we're back in the moment, the world around us will cease to appear as it does. It becomes a, a world of wonder, mm. full of color and light and life, and our earthly selves, they diminish, he increases and we cease to think with our intellectual mind, we begin to re-enter the childlike mind. Right. And in that state of objectivity, I mean, we are not just children, we're infants again. Right. And, and the world around us begins to look like, and I'm not talking just like, you know, theoretically, I'm talking about in deep meditation, when somebody starts to broach other spiritual realities in the kingdom of heaven, the world begins to look like a McDonald's playpen (laughs) colors it's a childlike environment and i almost it's like when i see child rooms and things it's like somebody the the originator of all this pulled it out of these dimensions like this is what kids are seeing before they learn the first word before they start to use their intellect and saying i and me and johnny wants and whatever yeah and uh the return to that is you know literally like you know Unless you become like a little child, unless yeah. you get rid of all of the thoughts, all of the judgments, yeah. all of the, oh, I know, all of the, my name is, all of the, I want, all of that's mine, right? that kind of stuff. Once we can like get all that off of our shoulders, we're yeah. going to be left with just me and you and a world to play and everything is mine <laughs> and everything's it. yours. I love it. And the world around that person begins to change and it becomes a totally different experience. It's amazing. And I would say that, um, that's so important that you made that distinction because yes, there is this process of what so many have called like an ego death, 
you know that that you know you must die to live you know the the death and resurrection you know the idea of of where we're headed with this conversation the mystery of golgotha mm-hmm. you know the the idea that this this crucifixion this death is necessary but don't dread it don't be scared of it because actually on the other side of it you have resurrection you have this beautiful like you said this playland that you're going to discover you know you're going to be set free you're actually going to be set free from this thing you're clinging to that you this this ego thing that we're holding on to you know if if you can just let that illusion die you know which seems horrible at first but if you can just let it go man we're going to have a blast yeah absolutely <laughs> because yeah. that's where all of our pain and suffering comes from exactly the lack of unfulfilled desires right but you don't have you know desires to be unfulfilled you know you're truly living in the moment you're going to be a happy one yeah you know (laughs) and then one more time i think of blessed are the meek you know blessed we translate happy are the meek you know the ones in it because they shall inherit the whole world Mm -hmm. they'll inherit the whole world it's like you said again it's i i love that 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 uh, illustration that you've given us of the playground because the world becomes this big playground the world is ours i don't have to own it I don't have to have a piece of paper that says that that's my property, that's my car, that's my house. The whole world, the meek, will inherit the earth. We mm-hmm. go, man, here's our playground mm-hmm. everywhere you look. Yeah. <laughs> you, you can have it. Oh, you want to be over here? I'll, I'll come over here. You know, we don't have to have a deed. We don't have to. Yeah. And that kind of stuff. And that really does get in the way of our happiness. Is oh, absolutely. All, all the possessiveness that this world, you know, kind of requires for um love it i got kind of a provocative question for you adam okay and, cool and the amazing dr producer here um delois uh how much does it cost to go inner dementia mm. how, how much would would you sitting there listening on the radio right now how much would you expect to have to pay for something like that it's a trick question yeah because obviously if we're in our right mind we know we pay nothing Absolutely. It'd even be a blasphemy to assign a price to it as though it could be bought. Right. The point of this is that there's nothing stopping a person who really does want to have these spiritual experiences from entering, whether it's right to your own bookshelf or statistically most people have a Bible sitting there uh, or a library, or if you're uh, living in this uh, age, which you have to be to be here in this probably, uh, you have the internet. You have all the books available to you. You have all the ancient knowledges. So you can learn this right from your home by studying things like theosophy, like anthroposophy, mm. like mysticism, like Gnosticism, uh, like Rumi and the, the Sophie teachings. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I mean, all, all of the mystical teachings, every religion has a mystical arm. There's Jewish exactly. mysticism and Judaism. There's Christianity and Christian mysticism. Yeah. You know, get in, over into the mystical arm of your religion. And start to delve into that. Yeah. That is where everything comes alive. Yeah, I See, love that. That's been like reserved for like the, you know, you know, the priests, the, you know, scholars, you know, the high holy people. But that's where the juice is at. And yeah. so we need not forbid ourselves from, you know, learning of that. We need to go and right. get that information. I love that so much. That's the meat of, that really is like the meat of the word broken down. We're suckling on the milk of the word for the most part. The general public is with the general interpretation. But when you get into mysticism, then it hits home. Yeah. I think it's why uh, mystic poetry was what really brought me back to my true self. You know, I mean, in my journey, there was a point where I just started to lose faith in the idea of a God at all. Mm. You know, I started to go through that kind of crisis of faith, you know, and, and... 
mystic poetry, I started reading some of it. And, and first of all, the laughter, the beauty, all these things we've been talking about. But there's this great translator. I want to throw this out there for people that are listening. And, and, and while you're on this idea of it being, being accessible, to me, one of the most accessible translators of mystic poetry I've ever encountered is a guy named Daniel Ladinsky. Look him up. It's great stuff. He has these collections of various different faiths. Um, but the mystics from those faiths that wrote poetry and, and various different writings, um, and he translates them all um, and has these collections. There, there's one called Love Letters from God, and it's just, to me, one of the best things I've ever read. Um, and it has, you know, St. Francis and Rumi and Hafiz, uh, Meister Eckhart, um, and, and lots of people from the Hindu, Hindu traditions, Kabir. Um, just amazing. And when you read it all, you go... All of these people are saying the same thing. They've all tapped it, even though they're coming from all of these different, what we call these different religions, they're saying the same. They've tapped into this same source somehow, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that brought my faith back to life when, when I started reading all these different people and, and seeing their joy, their passion for life, these beautiful things that they were saying that this is accessible to you. This was accessible to me in whatever religion that I came from, and I got excited about it, and I dove in, and I, I've read his collections over and over again, and I just, it, it brought me back to life and that's, connected me with that spiritual reality that I started to feel like I was dying to. So. That's awesome, and that <laughs> reminds me of something, which is also connected to something we are going to bring up earlier that we failed to bring up last week, Yeah, and that's the notion that, as Danny talks about it, you know, we, there's a mountain, and no matter which way, up the mountain you climb, once you're at the summit, you're at the summit. And the summit is the same view for everybody at the top. Mm. And uh, and we're going to go and talk about That's that because there's a, a lot of conservative Christians who have, uh, you know, a, adapted dogmatic beliefs that, you know, n- nullify the spirits working throughout history before, during, after, presently uh, of the, you know, Christian scriptures. And they're, you know, eliminating so many ideas that, could actually be helping them in the name of right. like my way is the only way and they're missing we're missing the point it's at that point it's me against you instead of salvation finding yes. god yeah because you'll see that god is everywhere you know like the beginning was the word the word was with god the word was god yeah and nothing that was created was created without him hmm. everything that is made is made with him yeah he is in everything the uh Gnostic and these other scriptures, they tell us, split the wood, I'm there. Overturn the stone, I'm there. Yeah. And some people, I've heard some people that are are against that. They've been pre-taught against that idea, like, oh, God's not in everything. You know, this is some sort of, you know, I don't know, you know, what they think. But this is a spiritual world that we're in right now. It is the densest of the spiritual worlds, but we're looking at spiritual beings. These are all spiritual materials. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, this is... And sometimes I feel like we're in a giant video game. It's not like, unlike The Sims. You know, the, the <laughs> That's my Sims. favorite yeah. game. Yeah. You know, <laughs> the angels, the unembodied beings, the, the gods, the goddesses, Jesus, the, the Lord. Like, they're watching us in this simulation module. Hmm. And we're taking these actions. And, you know, I think at the other side of the coin of this being the densest of realities is that whatever we do in this densest of realities has such a huge, is, is leveraged so massively spiritually. Yeah. So if you're in the spiritual world, a little push is a little push, but when you do a little push in the physical body, it's a big push in the spiritual realm. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you can see that. You're pushing a lot more density around than just, 
you know, a, a rarefied uh, spirit. So, yeah, because uh, there's a lot of things that come together to make the physical body and to make the physical realm. Right. A lot of intersecting spirits of form and hierarchies and things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the ways I've experienced that in a very real way in my meditation and thinking is to meditate on reflections. Um, that that helps bring that to life to me sometimes. You know, if if I'm at one of those points where I'm like, all I see is the material. Well, take take a look at what you can see sometimes and meditate on it for a minute, which could be like a reflection on the water. You know, you talked about um, stilling the mind, being like letting that that water settle so that you can see the reflection. And and I love that. And I go, but what is that reflection? You know, I mean, scientists have all the answers and and you can break it down scientifically. But if you if you meditate on that spiritually, metaphysically, you go, what what exactly am I looking at right now? I'm glad you brought that up (laughs) because I was contemplating that actually earlier this week. What is the sun that's over the pond? Yeah. The sun is God. Mm. The sun is God. What was over in Genesis? Actually, I guess we're going to jump right into the mystery of Golgotha because that's one of my points here. <laughs> it's his face was over the surface of the waters mm-hmm. during the creation. And then Daniel tells us he has the face, face like the sun. Mm. What's reflecting on those waters? What else? But that orb of fire of the sun. Yeah. And, then, and then, of course, this is going to be leading into where these ancient, you know, so-called, you know, pagan uh, traditions and so on. You know, there's some people that got into sun worship, helio worship. Where did they even get that idea? Right. Okay. Yeah, we get worshiping any physical objects, including the physical sun, is a misguided, you know, interpretation of the faith. But what is the spiritual significance of our physical sun? What's behind it? Or sure. should I say, who's behind it? Right. You know? Um, according to Steiner, uh, this, you know, we have uh, different epochs, obviously we've gone through epochs that we cannot remember. And, you know, since Atlantis, you know, that people don't even subscribe to. And before where humans didn't even have human looking form on up to this point. And there's been paths of evolution for the spiritual beings since, since time immemorial. And some beings have moved forward. They've moved into fire spirit stages. Hmm. Stages that humans have, you know, those here have yet to move into. Stages that we're destined for in our future uh, incarnations as the earth is evolving, our bodies and our spirits and our destinies are evolving into things that are not recognizable uh, to us here. And for a lot of people who are in the mainstream faith and haven't studied any sort of esoteric or outside, this is going to be very foreign. Yeah. Um, but if you're not thinking uh, about a billion years in the future and a billion years in the past, then, I mean, this is a big picture story, religion. Yeah, right. It's a big picture story. And there's a lot of details. It's like uh, what the, they said, you know, of what Jesus, you know, lived. They said there's not enough books in the world to write all the things and the miracles that he did mm. and that he's still doing. So if you think you know the whole story, right. you know, right there, there's not enough room to hold it all. There's no way you could know it all because it hasn't been written because it can't be written. <laughs> okay. So yeah, amazing. I, that is a little point one point there. I think that's awesome. It, it can almost seem a little overwhelming, but at the same time, to me, that's that's the very kind of thing that takes the what we would call boring right out of it. Because mm-hmm. how how in the world could that be boring? Yeah. This is so, there's so much amazingness here to embrace of everything that's that has happened and is going to happen and is happening. 
that, that can never be boring. It's like the greatest adventure of all time. Exactly. And you know, and you, you're hitting on all these things and it's funny because you can see all these analogies that are being brought to life in Hollywood and in these movies and stuff too. I mean, you could just go on and on with the different movies, but I, I think about, you know, you talking about what humans will become. And I think of even movies like It's a Wonderful Life, like this old black and white movie that a lot of people would consider boring, but it's talking about like Clarence who hasn't gotten his wings, you know, he's this guy that lived and now he's in this angel realm, you know, and it, and, and at the beginning you have these planets talking to each other, you know, mm. and, and, and I, that takes me back to Hafiz, you know, in some of his poetry, he talks about how he plays with the stars and planets. They're his playmates, you know, and that's that childlike thing again in the playground thing, you know? Yes. And it's, I just, I love this stuff. Yeah. And you <laughs> it's know, so much fun. I'm, I'm glad you brought up the angel scene because I'm talking about, you know, fire beings, fire spirits, this sort of thing. Don't forget, I mean, unless you are walking around with a physically manifested angel right now, uh, most of us don't have a clue as to what all of the angels look like and all the hierarchies, you know, with the cherubim and the seraphim and the archai hmm. and the archungaloi, the ungaloi, and uh, these different you know, thrones and all these interpenetrating, all pervasive spiritual beings who are making up our reality, making up our personages, making up... Uh, our actions, our spirits of movement, their spirits of form, okay? So there's a lot that we don't know about the angelic realms. So if you're thinking a man standing there with wings and anything outside of that is blasphemy, there is a re-education that needs to take place. Yeah. And that's kind of what we're doing here, is we're kind of yeah. bringing to light the things that uh, need to be investigated by anybody truly interested with the scientific mind. This is mm -hmm. a spiritual science. Sure. So if you want to like not you know, put it off in the distance because you're afraid you're going to, you know, reach a dead end, then you're never going to get to the meaning of your faith. Man. You need to be a, unafraid of investigating your faith to the nth degree Yeah. until there's no answers because you won't hit that. You'll just have more questions. Yeah, man, I love, I love that. And I love the idea that, that spirituality and science can hold hands, that they don't have to be opposed to each other. You know, that's another one of those fundamentalist and to me, closed-minded on either end of the spectrum. If if you go, you know, man, you just can't prove any of this with science. Well, that's to me, that's a little bit closed-minded. And then at the other end, you have the science is our enemy because the things they're saying in science are not locked into our dogmas in our books. Well, that's closed-minded too. But if you can meet there in the middle and see how spirituality and science hold hands and explore those things together. Man, that's, it's it beautiful is. and fun. Yeah. yeah. I just wish like sometimes people understood when you're talking from a theological sense, like the pastors and everything, I just wish that they would tie spirituality into their teachings because that has a lot to do with what you're teaching about and finding yourself being comfortable with how you're living. And when it's time to proceed on to the next life and all that stuff, I just wish they would, mixed all that together mm -hmm. and I, sometimes mm -hmm. i feel that they don't it's just one hard truth and that's yeah. not it yeah and you know the thing is yeah. science and religion they are antithetical in certain ways when you get down to what is the nature of materiality but as far as taking the scientific approach taking the objectivity that is applied in naturalistic science and and you know natural mm -hmm. science of looking at something observing it 
watching its evolution, testing it, these sorts of things, that sort of mindset can be brought into the spiritual world. Mm. You can knock on a table in the spiritual world and feel it in your hand. You can investigate dimensions of these things. Even the kingdom of heaven, now that it comes to, in the book of Revelation, he was measuring it with a ruler. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's like, it's not just like fogs and mists and ghosts and, you know, wafting. There is, you know, whole realities with people. And Emmanuel Swedenborg talks about this. We will have jobs at the next life. People say, "Well, I'm. I thought we're going to heaven, and we're gonna, you know, play the harp and everything." Sit you know, on the cloud. Yeah. <laughs> usefulness. Usefulness is one of the big principles and values of life in this realm and in the next. We're gonna have jobs. There's gonna be products. There's gonna be institutions. There's buildings, architecture. Yeah. I go to prepare a, you know, a house for you, a place for you. Yes. You know, there's mansions. There's literally buildings. And yeah. the thing is, they have some similarity in that they have form but these densified forms are coming out of a slightly more rarefied inspired spiritual archetype so they're even more glorious but they definitely they still have a variation of door you still have you know water flowing and gardens and everything's just so much more beautiful and psychedelic that's key in the other realms that's what you're yeah in the other realm Mm. it's you know it's things are just psychedelic and not just that it's just so full of bliss they're raining bliss yes. into you yes uh, yeah so, just, so you can be happy yeah just being there is just like you're overflowing with joy mm-hmm. and bliss i feel like that's a theme we just keep coming back to today is this idea that that this is this is a blissful adventure mm-hmm. this is a happy fun thing you know and I, and I it's so sad to me when i hear people stuck in certain dogmas and in boxes and things and they go Heaven just sounds boring to me. And I'm like, man, you know, no. if it, I mean, I've heard they people say, say that? I've, I've heard people wow. say things like that, you know, and it, 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 it's really sad because I go, man, what an adventure. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's it's this all over again, but better, you know, like you said, more psychedelic, like a big playground. It's like, I mean, we, we can start to experience that. now. Why would they yeah. say it's boring? I think because kind of what we were just saying that some people think of it as sitting in a, in a fog or sitting on a cloud and playing a harp and, you know, we're just going to sit here no, and do nothing. No, I could never but... ever think of that as boring. <laughs> I'm just like, oh my gosh, like when? That's the question. Right. Yeah. That, and see, that's, that's a, I think that's such a beautiful mindset. But, you know, to me as a musician, even playing a harp sounds fun <laughs> because, you know, it's like, hey, the, the possibilities right there are endless. You could just sit and write songs I, that, all day. That yeah. sounds like blissful. <laughs> For me, but I know that that's not it. You know, I mean yeah. that that will be part of the bliss. I I look forward to writing more songs in in other dimensions and absolutely, someday. yeah, you, know? you, have, you have even more glorious songs <laughs> there. Um, yeah. Something uh, Swedenborg talked about, which I just have to um, shout out to uh, Katie here and everybody watching on Facebook Live. We appreciate you tuning in. Um, when we go into heaven, according to Steiner, or, or rather Swedenborg, Emanuel Swedenborg, when people will come into heaven, they will come in with all kinds of misconceptions about what heaven's about. And there's a re-education process that the newly departed from the earth undergoes with the assistance of angels in order to clear up misconceptions and to orient them and mm. into communities also where you know they will inhabit with like-minded people. And some of the common misconceptions that people have are things like, are we going to play harps? Are we all just going to be right. in a church and praise God for eternity and right. nothing more? Right. Are we all going to, we're all going to, some people think we're just going to sit in a garden forever. Some people think we're going to be having conversations with angels forever. 
And all of these ideas are just basically one idea blown out for eternity. Right. Mm -hmm. And what Swedenborg shows us through the conversations that the people are having with the angels and his explanations mm. is that it's not all just one thing. It consists of all of these. It's a, a plethora of things going on. It's yeah. an abundance of activities and things like that. Mm. So for there was a there was uh, some people who thought that that's what it was. It was just talking with angels and getting knowledge and stuff like that. So the group of these people who thought that were in the spiritual realm brought into a building, and in each of the rooms was an angel who was talking about a different spiritual subject. Mm. And so these people would go room to room and they were holding these conversations and they move around. Oh, they were so full of life and bliss and this is so fulfilling. But after a few hours and many many hours they began to become tired of this. All of a sudden, now they want to go do something else. They want some silence. So yeah. they tried to leave the building. And the angel guarding it said, no, you cannot leave. You need to stay here and continue this. The point was, and why they were being ran through the exercise, was to show them that this idea of eternal bliss being this thing, it just simply cannot be. Right. Some other people thought it was that you hang out in a garden. So then... So then these people were then led by an angel to a maze into a beautiful, beautiful garden, mm. unlike any other. And they were left there. And as they were walking around, they saw some people sitting there crying. They said, why are you crying? And they said, well, we were brought here and we can't get out. And we're miserable and we're bored to tears and mm. this and that. And it's like all of these things that we just assumed would be completely different when we're in heaven. Yeah. Like the laws of, you know, entertainment and boredom and activity. We just thought all of that would go away when we are actually still, still applying there. Not just yeah. that, they come from there. Yeah. You know, these characteristics we have originate from a right. place where we have an abundance of options. We have an abundance of activity. Yeah. It does not, And then when we think dry and intellectually about heaven as far as, you know, all these rules have to be, and we're, we're upright, and we're this, and, you know, we're pious and all that. Yeah. It, it's so dry, this interpretation, that we don't see that it's full of love, and that it is, you know, it's a, first and foremost, it's a blissful state of yeah. being, yeah. in a state of love. And it's like, we, we say that, we put it aside, and we talk about all this other stuff, and then we instantly forget the first thing. Yeah. That is backdropped by love and joy and extreme bliss. Uh, so there, so was, awesome. there was different examples like that of, uh, and we'll talk about that later next, some other week of angels setting people straight about their expectations. Yeah. Because it's very entertaining. It is. And Sweden, Swedenborg to me is just a very intriguing guy and the things that, you know, I, I, I've read a little bit about him since you introduced me to him and just cool. What yeah. a cool story, man. We could talk about him for days, I think. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Pick up his book, Heaven and Hell. That one is all about conversations with angels basically yeah so we're kind of been broaching the mystery of golgotha in part i think we should be a little bit more overt about it what is golgotha yeah if any of you have ever heard of the crucifixion of christ which i assume every single person listening has then you'll know that he was on a cross and where that cross sat was on a hill called golgotha which means the hill of the skull and there is a significance to the place that christ died uh, specifically being that when his blood flowed and hit the earth and when the veil was ripped uh, between the uh, dimensions, uh, that the soul or the I, because the I, that capital I, we we're talking about me, myself, and I a while back, the mm. spirit that is in the soul that's in the ethereal, you know, ethereal and physical, that went into the earth and it pervades the whole earth to this day as a soul. as So... Christ is in the soil. Hmm. He's in everything, all the objects around us, because all this comes out of the soil. 
you know, mm. the you know the mineral, the, the wood for the plant life or what. Hmm. And so Christ is literally infusing everything. Wow. And I don't think a lot of people, uh, yeah, I know most of us don't think about that because I've grown up in the world and I know it just doesn't come up, but God is in everything. Right. Um, the mystery of Golgotha, the logos, the word, something we kind of passed by that you brought up to me uh, a week ago or so was something I started to say or was going to say. People say there's one way to salvation. Right. And that's through Christ Jesus. Yes. Well, what I'm thinking is there is maybe one way to God through the Christ or the Logos or whatever word, but there are many ways to Christ. Mm. Your yeah. path is bringing you to a relationship with the Christ who is hand in hand with God. Yeah. That's a tricky one that people use to kind of say, my religion has an answer, yours doesn't. Right. Because right. they think your religion doesn't have the Christ in it. You yeah. know nothing of the Logos, the first begotten of the Father. Right. You don't have anything for that. Only Christianity has that. Yeah. You know, and it becomes kind of like a country club where they have the key and everybody else in the world uh, is excluded. Yeah. Yeah. And it's That to me seems like such a, a perversion of truth. It really is because the Christ came down. He's got people in all folds. You know, yeah. he says he's got people. So there's people in uh, all religions who are in, in the favor of Christ and of God. And uh, I think it's just most important that we realize that we're trying to connect to God uh, through the Christ based on uh, uh, the tradition that we have. And we shouldn't think that uh, we have something that other people don't have or can't have. Absolutely. I mean, thoughts like Absolutely. that you know, will surely keep us out of the kingdom if nothing else. I agree. And, and again, for me, the mystic poets were the ones that helped me to start to see that truth, that truer truth. You know, like I, I'll remember, um, there's a great poem by Hafiz, once again, uh, where he says, he says, I am the whole in the flute that the Christ's breath moves through. Mm, beautiful. And yes. I, I, I mean, to me, that's just one of the most beautiful analogies I've ever heard to begin with. But I go, this is a Sufi. You know, this is, this is a Muslim mm. man. And, yes. and he, he knows the Christ. Yes. He, exactly. he, he, his, his life is based on the Christ. He is the hole in the flute that the Christ's breath moves through. Mm -hmm. And I remember this light bulb you know it's just like wow he, he's a mystic because he's connected to the christ and he even knows that he knows that the christ isn't reserved only for what we call christians mm -hmm. that the christ is is this universal this cosmic christ that is available to anyone and everyone all of us made in the image of god that have the div divine spark in us just waiting to be tapped into and i'm gonna tap into what you just said actually because <laughs> It brings up a couple things. The idea of what is the Christ and what is it in? It's in the soul. It's in the mother. So in in the Christian, in the Catholic traditions, we talk about Mother Mary. We talk about Sophia. You know, all the religion had this name for this woman of uh, of love, mm. in whom she's pregnant with the Christ, who is the wisdom yeah. of God. Yeah. So when you read these teachings, and, and, and if you look at them allegorically, which is the only way they're going to have much value for you, otherwise you just may as well watch a, a secular documentary about who she did, you know, what she did, when she did it, and, you know, the end, she died. 
No, this is the story about you finding God. Yeah. And, you know, in the Christ love that. is within everybody and it's, and it's being cultivated as we ready ourselves as, as you know, uh, as worthy vessels for the Christ to be born into. Mm, we're, so beautiful. We're yeah. the, the soil that that seed is going to grow out of. And I if we're it. fertile soil, if our soul or our thinking and our you know, desires and everything are purified. Yeah. Then this is good soil for that seed to fall on, for it to take root, for it to grow up out of, so that the sun can rise up, you know, like a tree and and give us shade or whatever analogy you want to use. I love that analogy so much. That's present in the mystic poetry. Once again, Meister Eckhart wrote a poem talking about him having the womb that the Christ must be born in. And mm, yeah. exactly what you just said. And he said it in, in poetry form. And, and you know, that, that was so radical to so many people. Why is this man talking about having a womb that the Christ needs to be born in? But he was talking about allegorically again, you know, this, this analogy of, you know, that the, the, the story is not just true of this one historic figure, Mary, it's true of every one of us. Yeah. Yeah. The Christ must be born in all of us. Yeah. And uh, it's like, uh, how, what's his name? Asking Jesus by night. Uh, Nicola. Uh, Nicodemus. Nicodemus. Yeah. He's yeah. like, a man should be born again. How should I be born again? Go back into my mother's yeah, room. It's like yeah. a reading. There you go. It's like, no, you're going to be born within your own soul. Yeah. But in a spiritual context. So you'll have a spiritual body and you can inhabit then thereby a spiritual realm. Beautiful. So, uh, yeah, if there's any question that every, you know, major religion is pointing everybody towards the same truth, then, you know, I just recommend taking up a study in comparative religion. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Who is, who is this she in each of these religions? Who is this he? Who is the Christ in each of this? And we'll start to see the same sort of, sort of story being told in order to get the disciple, whoever's reading, to cognite, to, you know take that spiritual walk in themselves while they're reading and while they're refining themselves and then have that experience, mm. you know, they're thereby ready themselves and have that experience. So uh, we're getting ready to close out the show. Uh, it was, uh, it was a good show. I had a great time talking about this. Yeah. I really enjoyed this. It was good. Time. Very informative at the same time. Yeah. Cool. I like that sim analogy. That's my favorite game. I can play that for eight hours. <laughs> what, what's that? Sims. The Sims. Oh yeah. The Sims. Yeah. The Sims. The Sims. Yeah. Yeah, that's quite the game there. Well, uh, next week I'm going to be uh, unjoined. I will not be joined uh, by Adam. I'm going to be talking about some personal spiritual experiences, something I call meta driving. Uh, but join us at uh, Facebook at Spiritual Realities. Email me, Robert, at New Precept. Find Adam at Three Day Flight and v Imagine Vegan Cafe. Bye. KWAM, your news and information station with CBS News updates every hour on the hour. KWAM Memphis.